and welcome to In Search of the Crystal Skull, an epic adventure into the world of mediocrity. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And today we're going to be looking at a holiday classic, and this is Macaulay Culkin's Home Alone. So, uh, the, the plot of this movie is that the McAllister family is preparing to spend uh, Christmas in Paris, uh, gathering uh, at uh, Peter and Kate's home in Chicago suburb on the night before their departure. Peter and the Kate's youngest son, Kevin, is the subject of ridicule by his older siblings and cousins. Kevin inadvertently ruins the family dinner after a brief scuffle against his oldest brother, Buzz, resulting in Kate sending him up to the attic. Kevin berates his mother for allowing the rest of the family to pick on him and wishes that his family would disappear. Uh, during the night, heavy winds create a power outage disabling the alarm clocks and causing the family to oversleep. In the confusion and rush to, to get the, uh, to the airport, Kevin is accidentally left behind. Kevin wakes up to find the house empty. Thinking that his wish has come true, he is overjoyed with his newfound freedom, but later uh, Kevin becomes frightened by his next-door neighbour, the old man Marley, who is uh, rumoured uh, by the local children to be a serial killer who murdered his own family. <laughs> the McAllister home is soon stalked by the wet bandits, Harry and Marv, a pair of burglars who have been breaking into other vacant houses in the neighborhood. So, um, you know, um, really good setup, I have to say, for this movie. And also, uh, really good for, you know, uh, Kevin in this as well to, like, you know, give, you know, the audience sympathy over, like, you know, the fact that he's picked on by his uh, younger siblings. And uh, it is the typical, like, you know, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. So yeah, yeah, but uh, it's, it's kind of funny that this was the movie that is considered to be at sixty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes because a it was the highest-grossing Christmas film of all time until, believe it or not, 2018's Illuminations The Grinch came out. And it was the highest grossing live action comedy film until The Hangover Part 2 about um, 20 years later. So kind of crazy to think that, you know, a staple in Christmas classic just so happens to be in Crystal Skull territory. Yeah. Mind you, I mean, the, I, I'm a bit edgy about, you know, talking about this movie because let's be honest about this. This is a beloved Christmas classic by a lot. And I mean, a lot of people. Like you know, uh, yeah. this is this is one movie that definitely does get watched at Christmas without a doubt, and uh, not much of an excuse now because now you can uh, watch it for, for you know uh, on a subscription on Disney Plus. You can watch it on YouTube for like three dollars, and also you can watch it on Apple TV too. So, like, you know, it's, it's got plenty of love in plenty of places. And uh, also, and if you've not got any subscription services to that as well, and if you want really the authentic cinematic experience, here in the UK, they still play it in theatres to this day. Wow. And this is a That's movie crazy. that came out in 1990. Now, if you remember that we actually briefly discussed about Home Alone because around the same time that Home Alone was in theaters, The Rescuers Down Under was in theaters, and that severely underperformed because Home Alone was out in theaters. So, yeah, going back into full circle, finally talking about this. And it's kind of funny because several years ago, I actually discussed about all of the Home Alone films at the time. I discussed about Home Alones 1 through 5, alongside with Tom, you know, several other of my uh, friends from Manic Expression. And looking into it, the first two Home Alone movies are... Are considered to be the Christmas classics. Well, everything else that came out afterwards were considered to be like the ones that were trying to cash in on the popularity of the Home Alone movies. And, you know, I know some people really like Home Alone 3, but let's be honest. I mean, you know, um, Alex D. Links, even though that he did an admirable job, he's no Macaulay Culkin. And 4 and 5, well, those are just 
awful and you should not even bother watching them. I haven't seen the remake of the Home Alone that they did on Disney Plus uh, not too long ago, so I can't really say on my opinions of that one. Yeah, well, I mean, if we if it's in Crystal Skull territory, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. But I mean, right now we're sticking with like you know the '90s, you know, Christmas movies. So you know, we all love and know and love. But uh, so um, I mean, in regards to you know this you know, a uh, movie, I mean, like, I guess an interesting talking point is in itself, The Rescue is Down Under, like, why is it that Home Alone performed, you know, brilliantly, but uh, The Rescue is Down Under didn't, and, uh, I mean, I guess maybe there's a few factors involved, I mean, like, you just have to watch the Home Alone trailer, like, by the way, the Home Alone trailer back in the 90s was all over television, like, you know, you couldn't watch a TV station without seeing the Home Alone trailer at least once, you know, at least within the first 10 minutes, you know, so, like, you know, the this movie was promoted to all hell. Like, you know, like, yeah. it, it was, and also, on top of that as well, like, you know, even on the VHS tapes, you know, they even, like, put the Home Alone trailers in there, too. So, like, you know, if you were, were going to be, well, if you rented a movie, or if you bought something from 20th Century Fox, likely it is, back at, during that, you know, time in the 90s, likely it is, you're going to see a Home Alone trailer, regardless of whatever movie you made, you watched. So Yeah, it was, exactly. Yeah. And, and just like we said in the Rescuers Down Under uh, discussion in Crystal Skull, that the popularity of the Crocodile Dundee movies were pretty much over by the time that Rescuers Down Under came into theaters. And uh, as you mentioned before about the importance of advertisements, that people knew about it through the commercials, through the posters, through the advertisements with magazines and with newspapers. So everybody knew about Home Alone. And when they saw it in the theaters and it became an instant Christmas classic, there were a ton of video games. There was a ton of merchandise. I mean, go watch the Angry Video Game Nerd episode on Home Alone games. So yeah, there's been a ton of notoriety when it comes to Home Alone. Well, something like like Rescuers Down Under was not even remotely as huge compared to Home Alone. I guess another thing as well is that, like, you know, I mean, um, The Rescuers Down Under, I think, was also, I mean, it wasn't really, like, the, the start of the Renaissance era, I guess you could say. Like, you know, I think uh, Disney, I think, at the time was still, I mean, The Little Mermaid had come out, like, a year before. I mean, obviously, and there was, uh, you know, obviously that started to, like, to turn eyeballs again, I think, towards Disney. But I think The Rescuers Down Under, I, I don't think they were there yet. I don't think Disney, I think to kind of like repair their reputation, I think, you know, compared to like, you know, uh, all the other duds that, they, you know, had come before it, I guess. And so I guess, exactly. you know, uh, and you know, when you look, and also when the if you look just alone at the Home Alone trailer and you look to like what 20th Century Fox were providing at the time, like, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a no sell that, you know, you went to go see a 20th Century Fox movie, you know, family movie, because you were going to get entertained and, uh, you know, you just look at the Home Alone trailer, I'm actually just watching it right now, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's so amazing how it's all, like, put together and how it's promoted and everything like that, and they, they hit the right notes to get people into the theatres. So, like, uh, I mean, um, uh, Home Alone, 20th Century Fox's pro promotional team, you know, were just one step ahead of the game, I think, at that point. So Exactly. And it also helps that Home Alone came out around November 10th, so it was, like, a few weeks before Thanksgiving, and usually a movie theater would have a film about a month or so depending on if it's like really really popular maybe they'll have it for a month and a half or two months or if you're like the rescuers down under or cats don't dance if a movie does not do very very well then they'll pull it out of the theaters like maybe a week or so after it's been released so yeah home alone did stay around the theaters 
for, I think, a little bit longer because of the Christmas season. And then eventually when people started watching it and then word of mouth spread about Macaulay Culkin and um, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern and various others that were able to make the movie like really, really stand out, then it started to become the Christmas classic as we know of it. And I think that Home Alone was able to showcase that, hey, I think that a movie starring a troublesome kid was, you know, who's trying to, you know, get attention from his family. And then all of a sudden he's stuck alone. And then he just goes into a lot of crazy situations that any normal kid would have if he was home alone. I mean, this is the nineties. So in the, in the movie, we have the situation where the power has gone completely out. The phone service is not working. His family is far away in Paris, France. So he literally has nobody to be around with. So the fact that he's able to finally get all the space and attention that he's always wanted for himself because he's the youngest of the family. Nobody's paying attention to him. Everybody's treating him really badly. For him to get this opportunity to be like just going all balls to the walls crazy and doing whatever he pleases, a lot of kids really tuned into it. In fact, if you remember our discussions during the Roald Dahl retrospective, that every time that we've talked about a character from a Roald Dahl film, such as Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach, we've always said that these characters are the stereotypical, timid yet optimistic characters. And then when Home Alone came out, everybody was into like the rank bunctious characters with a heart of gold and we saw that throughout the 90s there were a lot of movies that tried to cash in on the success of home alone they try to find kid actors to um, basically emulate macaulay culkin they try to put in like these booby traps because hey you know kids really love that from home alone so they really really tried to emulate home alone because it became so popular yeah, so, do, you, do, you remember, I, do you remember mr nanny Yes. Yeah, the one with Hulk Hogan. They, they, they took whatever Macaulay Cole was doing and they like turned it into like you know deadly scenarios, pretty much. And, yeah, uh, and, and I remember the uh, the discussion of Three Ninjas when the front cover of the VHS tape said, uh, "We took a little bit of Karate Kid and Home Alone, and you have Three Ninjas." So yeah. Home Alone, for a short amount of time, just became, like, this massive phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, also on top of that as well, like, you know, the 90s was the era of Sonic the Hedgehog, pretty much. Like, you know, like, you know, the the, 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 the blue blur with attitude. You know, like, you know, and, uh, I mean, obviously that wasn't Sega's, like, original intent, but when they transferred it over to the United States of America, they wanted to give him spunk. They wanted to give him attitude. And, that, like, that was just, like, that was, you know, um, the era at the time. And uh, those are the kind of characters that kids wanted to relate to pretty much you yes. know like it yeah it's just it was uh it was i mean it, it became a trope later on but uh, you know back at the time like it was fresh and new you know like you know it yeah was, uh, yeah it was it was very different I mean, we, we had from... um bart bart simpson was another classic example of the rambunctious kid that everybody wanted to be like and parents were like oh no 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 you know we we have to have our kids be the good kids just like like we said earlier all those like roll doll adaptations where he's like the good timid yet optimistic kid no we want to be the rambunctious kid we want to be uh, the one to Patricia, cause trouble we want to uh, be the one to do all that this stuff. is a uh, george hw bush we want you to be more like the waltons and less like the simpsons <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, and again, like you know, the Republicans just stop picking on the Simpsons because it, doesn't, it never works out for them. But anyway, regardless of that, um, you know, it's, it's um, yeah. So like, th that was the era at the time, and Macaulay Culkin was the face of this. 
uh, at one point. Yes. And like Home Alone definitely, you know, transported him to that point. And even, you know, went on to like, you know, have a sequel after that, like you know, Home Alone 2, which, you know, uh, I don't know where that stand currently sits in the moment in regards to, you know, for, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. We'll have to uh, see, see where it is. But uh, I mean, going back to this movie, um, the one good thing I would say about this is that, I mean, obviously you've got the family like, you know, set to one side in Paris. So the main concentration of the char- you know, the chemistry that we have here is Kevin, Harry and Marv, you know, Harry and Marv, the wet bandits. And, uh, you know, even though like, you know, these uh, bandits like, you know, want to like, you know, rob these houses and also want to try and, you know, get, get you know, um, you know, get, get hold of this kid and everything and, uh, you know, all the shenanigans happening with that. The one thing I'll say is that, you know, there is good chemistry between, you know, uh, Macaulay, Joe and Daniel in all of this. Pretty much. It and, is, so, you yeah. Know, like, there, there's, there's this really nice chemistry that is between these three actors. And I think that it was able to work out because, you know, Joe Pesci is known for being like the really, um, you know, dark and sinister character. He's been in a lot of mafia films. I mean, we knew about him in his portrayal in Goodfellas. So, you know, he was able to fit perfectly as the thief. And then Daniel Stern, I guess at that point, um, I mean, if you're not familiar with like City Slickers or him being the narrator of the Wonder Years as the older Kevin, then, you know, seeing him as this big goofball was kind of an interesting change of pace for Daniel Stern's character. And uh, then you have, you know, obviously with uh, Macaulay Culkin's Kevin McAllister was the rambunctious, the rambunctious one. So, you know, seeing all of this collide together was actually like really well done. And they all have their own unique personalities that still make them memorable. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, in regards to, um, the one thing I really do like is that, you know, this thing does not forget that it's a Christmas movie. And, uh, you know, like, uh, you can uh, see, like, you know, for, like, you know, all the, uh, the lights, like, you know, the family and, uh, you know, everything like that. Like, it's just, it's, uh, you know, um, it, it never forgets where it is, which I think uh, is, a, is a really good thing, I think, in regards to Home Alone. But, uh, I mean, the one thing I will say, it does kind of go to a detriment, though, because, like, it is, will always be now known as a Christmas movie, pretty much, at this point. So, like, uh, you know, it is, like, one of the movies I mean, obviously, it's, it's good that, you know, there's, like, once a year, like, it will find its place, but uh, unfortunately, it is that once a year that uh, you'll mostly, mostly mostly find it, unfortunately. So... But I think that um, another thing that's really good about this movie was Kevin breaking away from his fears. Like, we saw two times in which he was able to face them. Uh, the one fear that he had was with the furnace downstairs in the basement where he was, like, doing his laundry, and then the second fear was with old man Marley which is this next door neighbor that his older brother told his cousin and Kevin a story about how he murdered his family and half the people down the block with a snow shovel and he turned the salt in the trash can that he was using to melt the snow he mummified their bodies with it so he's had this fear of old man Marley throughout the course of the movie whenever he met up with him and running away from him so there's instances in which that Kevin is able to break away from those fears and actually confront them saying, you know, this isn't so bad. Once you get to know the um, person or once you confront the thing, then you're able to break away from it, which is actually a really important lesson because I'm sure that we've all had that one neighbor down the street who looked creepy. And once we got to know them, they were actually really, really nice. So I think that uh, that's also a really uh, nice gesture to the story. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about everyone's favorite part of the movie, shall we? 
And, yeah, uh, that so let's is... talk about the booby traps. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah, there are so many booby traps in this. And uh, it's quite funny, really, when you see how much kind of like, you know, uh, I guess it is comical violence, but, you know, like the amount of pain and the amount of suffering you see, like, you know, the wet bandits go through. Like, I'm really surprised he managed to keep his PG rating when you really think yeah. about it. I think there's a YouTuber out there who actually, like, analyzed each of the booby traps and talked about what repercussions they will suffer from if they actually got hurt in real life. Yeah. So, um, would you believe it? Actually, someone did, like, uh, you know, the best uh, Home Alone traps ranked in, in, in this. So, like, uh, I mean, they're, they're not, like, all strictly Home Alone. I mean, obviously, he's doing the other uh, ones. But uh, the one of the ones I come to, to notice is the burning doorknob. So, like, uh, you know, he heats up the doorknob and uh, then, you know, uh, poor Joe Pesci goes to grab it and ends up, you know, permanently burning, like, uh, the uh, his uh, M in his hand. Yes. So. Yeah, there's that. yeah, and another one that um, really sticks out to me that a lot of people remember is the blow torch to the head, where um, you know Harry's head completely gets burned off, and he has to run over and use snow so that he can be able to take out the fire. Good grief! You know when when they did actually did that, like I thought, good grief! Like you know, I thought they would like put in like a stunt actor or something like that, but no, that's him. You know, like, it's just, yes. it's, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what, I mean, obviously they must have, like, put something in the hat to, like, stop him from being burned and stuff, but uh, it can, after yeah, after hearing the stories of, like, do you remember when we covered Faulty Towers back in casual chats, and uh, we talked about, like, Manuel from Faulty Towers when uh, he was, like, they were, he, he, they recovered him from the fire, and uh, he had yes. to, like, he had, like, all those, like, chemicals that, like, you know, were in his suit to, like, make it look like he was, like, burning and stuff like that, and actually, that actually, per you know, permanently you know, scarred him because it all burned through his suit and everything. I remember, so like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when I see stuff like that now, it does make me feel very uncomfortable actually seeing it. <laughs> so. Yeah, especially since, you know, he could have been severely damaged with um, his own body trying to perform as a character in a TV show. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this will be the first time he actually does that stunt. He actually did it the second time actually in Home Alone 2 when his head, his head got set on fire. So. Yes, yes. But th that was a, a different situation where the blowtorch lands on, um, you know, he turns it on, the blowtorch lits uh, his head on fire, and then he actually tried to take it off instead with water with gas. So, yes, that's even much more of a dangerous situation of being exploded than the first movie. Yeah. So, anyway, to give you a whole rundown of, like, what happens to both Harry and Marv. So, Harry uh, gets shot with a BB gun. He slips and falls on the ice-covered steps approaching the front door. Uh, his right hand is severely burned, as we said before. Um, his head gets burned with a blowtorch. Uh, walks into a plastic wrap covered in uh, chocolate glue and also gets blasted with feathers, uh, blowing from a fan uh, to make him look like a chicken. Uh, slips on Kevin's uh, micro-machines uh, on the front of the stairs, also with Marv. Uh, gets hit in the face, uh, with, uh, losing his cherished gold tooth uh, with a paint can and uh, going up the stairs and he's uh, knocked uh, also crushes Marv at the same time as well. Uh, falls down after tripping on a wire and uh, not unconscious. Uh, accidentally get, gets hit in the stomach with a crowbar by Marv who's trying to uh, kill uh, Buzz's pet tarantula Axel uh, and uh, falls after swinging into a wall while attempting to use a rope to cross to Kevin's treehouse uh, due to Kevin cutting the rope with the hedge clippers and getting hit uh, with a snow shovel by Old Man Marley at uh, you know, the very end of it too. 
So yeah, I'm surprised that they were able to like stand up and being able to walk around just fine without like having multiple bones broken. Yeah, like it's just it's uh, and also as well like it's just uh, the the amount of violence that you know okay it's comical violence but how on earth they managed to still get away with all of this? It's crazy. Yeah. It is insane. I would say that looking in the booby traps of the first movie, yes, it is very, very painful. I would say that this and Home Alone 2 rivals in terms of the booby traps, where it is very painful and very hilarious if you know about the proper context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now, I'm actually curious. I mean, wh which uh, of the movies has your favorite set of booby traps, the first or the second? Um, I mean, the original one sticks out in my mind at the moment, but mind you, I'll probably watch the second one at some point and then maybe they completely change my mind. So, like, I mean, like, uh, either way, like, all, all these all these traps in these Home Alone movies are pretty de pretty devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think about how they were able to get away with it in a PG rating. Another really crucial thing that I want to mention about Home Alone is uh, Kevin's mother, Catherine, where she will stop at absolutely nothing to get back home to her son for the holidays. Once she finds out that Kevin is not in the airplane going to Paris, the moment that they land, she's trying to find her way immediately to get back home. But the problem is, is that all of the tickets have been booked, so she has to find other ways so that she can be able to get to Chicago in time for the holiday so that he doesn't stay home alone. And I think that I have to give credit for her determination because any mother would be like really concerned about her son being home alone and having to deal with not knowing how to take care of himself. I mean, he's eight years old and this is the 90s. So yeah, I think that, you know, her determination so that she can be able to get back home was really, really well done. And one of my favorite scenes that happens in the movie was when she was able to meet up with the polka players as they're heading over to Milwaukee. And they even said that they'll give her a ride to Chicago, who's played by the wonderful John Candy. Especially that one scene that really just irks me so much in terms of how heartbreaking it is, is that, you know, even though that they're traveling all the time for their polka performances, and they're not even a well-known, popular uh, polka band they're just like some schlubby guys who just travel around to a certain amount of states and they just play polka and then that's pretty much it but they sacrifice so much so that they can be able to do what they do i mean they even mentioned about like um you know one person that he barely knows his kid's name another person he's never even met his kids it's like wow imagine being away from your families for so long at the expense of being a part of a polka group that doesn't even get a lot of popularity or notoriety. It's like, as we mentioned in the uh, the Weird Al podcast a while back, polka just doesn't seem to have like mainstream attention compared to like, you know, hip hop or R and B or rock or anything like that. I just find that to be pretty sad. You, you know, the, you know what? I was actually going to say like, you know, where maybe they're you know where they're, they're keeping the dream alive of like you know wanting to be backup group for Weird Al Yankovic one day. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, at this point in time, you know, he would have, um, I think this was like before he even made his comeback with um, Smells Like Nirvana. So maybe, who knows? 
I, I think that another really morbid thing going into that scene again that um, the guy mentioned was that the time in which that he left his son over at a funeral parlor and he spent like hours just looking at the corpse and he didn't like talk to his parents for like seven weeks. And, you know, Catherine was like really determined about like, you know, how is my son going to react to me after arguing with him about like, you know, being this spoiled brat who's like, aiming for attention and then all of a sudden oops we left him home alone so she was really worried about how he would react to her the moment that she got home so again she's being a very caring mother i don't think there's anything else really to kind of discuss with home alone i mean like it's a it's a it's a christmas classic um i mean it's it's played on tv all the time always available on streaming and so even like i was saying at the very beginning of the podcast still in theaters today so, um, I guess we uh, are now at the point where... By the way, one thing I think I should point out is that the music in this movie, like, it's... Uh, I mean, you when you hear the music of Home Alone, you definitely recognize it. Like, it's like... A, it's got such a recognizable tune when you listen to it. All right, so if there's nothing else that we can say about it, let's rank it. Okay, so, uh, I mean... It's Christmas classic. It's uh, you know, it's uh, got uh, great music, great uh, you know, a story. It's got uh, you know, great you know, action moments. I guess you could say in it as well. Great uh, comedy, you know, timing, everything like that. And uh, you know, it uh, shows like you know this uh, the hilarity of like you know a, a boy you know uh, basically being home alone and uh, you know being able to do whatever he wants. You know, at the very beginning of the movie and then overcoming his fears and uh, you know uh, coming up you know uh, strong at the end of it. So um, I'd say it's a solid. Well, I'd say it's an eight point five at least. In my opinion, I think it's a nine. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I guess... because I mean, everything about this movie is excellent. I I really love the the presentation. The music that is performed by John Williams is fantastic. It's right up there with Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Superman in terms of like the music that is being played. And also the direction from Chris Columbus is also pretty well done. John Hughes, uh, as we mentioned in the last podcast on Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, he does a really really good job of the writing a lot of people may know john hughes for two things um his coming of age movies in the 80s and his comedy movies in the 90s so the transition between like films such as pretty in pink 16 candles and breakfast club and going into a new direction with home alone i think it was pretty well done that shows the diversity with um his writing style unfortunately if you've seen a lot of john hughes movies that came out during the mid 90s where he was trying to write on the success of his home alone stuff it was pretty hit and miss i mean he did do Home Alone 2, which a lot of people have issues with, being a facsimile of the original. He did the screenplay and he produced the Miracle on 34th Street remake, which a lot of people said it was more depressing than the original. And he also did some other movies that were just not really as good. I mean, he did Home Alone 3, he did Baby's Day Out, he did various other movies. So his stuff was pretty hit and miss, but I would say that this is definitely one of his big hits. Yeah. And in regards to Macaulay Culkin himself, like, uh, unfortunately, like, you know, Home Alone ended up kind of like being his movie pretty much, I guess, because, you know, the next thing he did was Home Alone 2 and in New York. I mean, like, uh, he did other stuff. I mean, like, uh, he was in the Michael Jackson Black or White, you know, music video. You know, that was kind of yeah. like a, a weird cameo. And, I mean, obviously he was in The Page Master. That failed. And uh, then he tried to be much Richie Rich, and that wasn't all that much successful either. And, uh, unfortunately, like, uh, you know, he uh, he was in the, you know, in and out of, like, Robot Chicken and things like that. But uh, besides that, I mean, like, you know, just uh, there's nothing else really of note to say that, uh, you know, he did really anything else. 
Yeah, you um, remember when he tried to go into a serious direction with the good son? Oh, oh my good God. grief! <laughs> you know, like it's just no, I don't like it. Oh, uh, who was the other? Who was the other kid in that? Like, wasn't he? That was Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood. Would you believe it? Good it grief! It was Elijah Wood who was alongside with Macaulay Culkin and the Good Son. Imagine that, Kevin McAllister and Frodo. Good <laughs> grief! Well, I'm amazing. Re- I'm really glad that the Lord of the Rings went with Macaulay with Elijah Wood and not Macaulay Culkin for Frodo. That's all I can say. Oh Jesus, no. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I feel really bad for Macaulay because. You know, I mean, he—he he, even though that he did other films, I mean, he did Uncle Buck and he did, um, you know, various other things. But Home Alone seemed to have been like his major one-two punch in terms of his popularity. It's like you said before, he did other movies, but they just weren't Home Alone. And he pretty much suffered around the 2000s when he was trying to, you know, find his place in the acting world, especially since, you know, he was already a teenager. He hit puberty. And so he was doing a lot of these other roles. And then, you know, he just kind of like fell apart. And after a while, he picked himself up. He became, um, you know, the leader of a rock band. And then he has his own website where he does online content. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Macaulay Culkin now is in a much better place than he was before, but it, it just took him 10 years for him to recuperate from all the stuff that he had to do. Yeah, it's like he he went down a pretty dark path at one point. Didn't he, like, you know, did, like, some kind of random cameo in, like, uh, the Blues Brothers 2000 movie as well? Yes, he did, yeah. Oh, good grief. That was a, that was a stinker. Oh, you know, uh, like yeah. Makes you wonder about those Roald Dahl kids. I think maybe they knew when to quit. Yeah, maybe he should have been James from James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> uh, well, um, that's a discussion in another series that we do. So, uh, Perth, yeah, so, that's yeah. very true. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it, it's kind of sad that he went through that. But at the, the end of the, at the end of the day, he was able to you know pick himself up. And you know, it, it seemed for a while that you had the Culkin brothers who were trying to be like the next series of brothers, almost akin to like. Um, uh, you know, like other brothers who became really popular on, um, you know, films and on television. Like well, Wayne's in brothers? addition, yeah, the Wayne's brothers. Yeah, exactly, the Wayne's brothers. So, in in addition to Macaulay, there was Kieran Culkin who was in this movie, and he played as Fuller, the cousin who constantly wet himself, and he became a, a well known actor in his own right. Probably not as big. As Macaulay, he's been in several other movies such as Cider House Rules and Father of the Bride. And you may know him for his other stuff such as Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Wiener Dog, and No Sudden Move. But um, yeah, I don't think he's much of a household name compared to uh, Macaulay. And then there's Rory, which he has been in several other movies. He's been in Scream 4, You Can Count on Me, Signs. Um, but again, not much of a big one compared to Macaulay. And then there's Christian Culkin, who's the only movie that I can remember him being on was My Summer Story, that um, contu- that continuation of A Christmas Story, which was um, not as revered compared to the original. But yeah, it seemed like they were trying to you know, branch out into like this whole series of these brothers making all of these big bucks because we already know how much of a manipulator his father was of stealing all their money. It almost kind of reminds me a little bit of how Joe Jackson was to the, you know, to his sons when making the Jackson five, because, you know, he never got his start in his own career. But yeah, I think that at the end of the day, they were able to, you know, break away from that and become successes in their own right. Removing the biases of side, I think that, you know, Macaulay Culkin's acting in Home Alone is a 
fantastic portrayal of a real kid and how the 90s was in terms of showcasing that rebelliousness when we had decades prior where you know the timid yet optimistic kids were the ones who were the starring roles so in a way he kind of like changed how we see media so um yeah home alone is a fantastic movie it's a christmas classic for a reason please go check it out yeah and that is it for In Search of the Crystal Skull until the next episode. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and take care, and bye-bye for now. See you later.